I did have something funny and witty prepared for this, but there's just too much to talk about on this edition of the Brisbane Football Review, so let's get into it. Yes, we're back for another week on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James, Scott and Adam here for another Wednesday afternoon discussing all things local football here in South East Queensland and, well, I guess all around the footballing world at the moment as uh, Scott's managed to pull himself off his deathbed for a week. I'm out of quarantine, James. Apologies for the voice, though. It may not be back to 100% yet. That's all right. I've boosted your volume quite a lot. It's bad the guest appearance right by Patty and Selma on, <laughs> on Sunday night for the uh, How dare show. you? How dare you? <laughs> I had to get that shot in. We should just clarify, Scott is a non-smoker for those of you that are curious. Uh, yeah, so this is the Brisbane Football Review. Uh, contacts BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook, The Raw Review. Twitter, at BNE Football. On both those social accounts, you can find live coverage of all the big football matches going around and other ones as well. As, uh, yeah. In listening to this podcast on any good podcast platform, Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Or you might be listening to the replay on Football Nation Radio, as uh, did a call in there on Monday morning as well. This is a great start, isn't it? It's it's very good. I mean, you missed one week in this, and the level of improvement is absolutely outstanding. I don't know how I got back into the rotation. Yeah, I know, it's a miracle. But anyway, Adam, how are you? I'm good, James. Sky, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Obviously, uh, big morning overseas in the FA Cup. I think we're all... Uh, able to take a certain level of joy in the results there. Well done, Sheffield United. <laughs> but yes, and we're also being joined by our, by our executive producer, Trixie, at the moment as well, so if you happen to hear any barking, that's hopefully her and not Scott coughing up a lung. And you wonder why we can't get Robbie Fowler on this show with shots like that. You oh wonder, yeah, that's You wonder right. why we cannot get him on the show with <laughs> a shot like that. Poor little club from Merseyside, they're on a losing streak. Anyway. If Robbie Fowler is listening to this, I will be very, very shocked, because, let's be honest... If he is listening, he's welcome any time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, he knows how to get in contact with us now. We should probably get into the show proper, though. What do you say? Why not? Okay. Uh, We're going to start off with our A-League segment and cover off Sunday evening's game down at Amy Park in Melbourne as the Raw went down, unfortunately, 1-0 to Melbourne City in what was, I've got to be honest... The most flat performance I've seen from them in quite a while, like at, the, at least the last two and a half months. Yeah, look, I think it was um, a performance that sort of, yeah, I think that wasn't, it wasn't great. I think they it looked like more so that they were pretty much, you know, maybe happy to settle for a draw, like obviously go away, just sort of damage limitation. And they nearly got away with it if it wasn't for sort of, you know, one freak shot from uh, Josh Berlante that, uh, that uh, ricocheted off Jamie Young into the back of the net, so... Yeah, it wasn't great, but like I suppose, despite the fact that Jamie Young did get incredibly unlucky for the goal that was conceded, he was probably the Raw's best player on the pitch. Yeah, Jamie Young was the Raw's best player. Again, as I said on Twitter at halftime, he is well on his way to a third straight Gary Wilkins medal. With some of the performances he's put in over this long run since the second bye, he's been phenomenal. And he was again on Sunday afternoon. I thought the first half was really similar to what we've seen for the last few weeks, just trying to grind down the opposition. It just didn't seem to have the effect in the second half where we've seen the Raw really push on. We didn't see that on Sunday afternoon. I think that was probably the disappointment for a lot of people. Yeah, well, it was an unchanged starting eleven from last week, which I've made my opinions on Brad Inman playing as a striker well and truly clear over the last few weeks. I think he's better served in the midfield. But he, actually, probably the most unlucky uh, player to take the pitch on 
all of Sunday night was probably Aaron Amadi Holloway, who managed to play all of about five minutes after turning his ankle. And I reckon that's where it kind of, in a way, I think it all, it also went uh, pear shaped as far as the Raw's game plan because I think it's all, it's all been about, um, about sort of you know the service to Aaron Amadi Holloway a couple of times he's come on you know as that sort of that super sub role where he's you know he's, he's sort of changed the game I think him going you know him coming on and going off I think kind of you know changed the game plan yeah it definitely did I think the plan was to try and get Holloway on to batter down those central defenders but it just it didn't work after, unfortunately it was just a little bit of an unlucky foot placement yeah it didn't quite work out there did it at the weekend but look I guess he's probably been the most unlucky player for the Raw all season long in terms of the fact that he obviously had the injury early on now he's had this injury here again at the weekend. I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but whatever the plan was when he came on in terms of holding the ball up and letting the other players run into the game, that went out the window really quickly, didn't it? And then it was a difficult game from there. It was probably a similar sort of tactic to we saw at halftime where Robbie Fowler, I, the previous week, brought on um, Amadi Holloway at halftime. Probably looking to do something similar there and then introduce the younger players later on, but that injury there just completely changed that plan. The one question I've actually got about all of this is, was this a preview of the tactics that we're going to be seeing from the Raw in the finals? As Scott just coughs up a lung off mic. Thank you, Scott. Uh, yeah, as, uh, is this a preview of the tactics we're going to be seeing from the Raw come finals time where, look, they're not going to try and get into a shootout with teams, you know, like they did with the Wanderers in John Aloisi's first season, as we remember that 5-4. Is it going to be simply a case of, all right, let's just batten down the hatches and try and jag a goal and just see how we go? Yeah, look, and... The, and- like in finals football, especially you know you're trying to play to 120 minutes, maybe including pens, it's not it's not a bad tactic. I think you know, at the end of the day, if you got, if you're resolute and rock solid at the back, uh, at the end of the day, the only way you're gonna you're gonna you know, advance is you know either you get that uh, that I'm not gonna call it lucky goal, but that sort of that that goal sort of against the run of play and or going the distance and perhaps you know winning in a penalty shootout. So for finals football, it's probably not a bad thing, but you wanna. Between now and false wall, especially when you're trying to sort of, you know, consolidate position in the top in the top six, you also want to start seeing uh, a bit more sort of flair and more attack and a bit more creativity. This team's not built for a shootout, James. Right, no, it's from, not. Right, you're from, right. right from day one, this team's built defense first. You remember all the quotes: "We're not going to concede 70 odd goals again." It's been defense first all season. I think that's going to be the case at the business end as well. It's not built for a shootout. No, I agree. I just. I don't think you can necessarily go on with a plan A and only a plan A come finals time. And look, finals football is still far from guaranteed for this side. They've got a huge match coming up this Friday night against Western Sydney in Brisbane. But overall, I just... I don't feel like what we're seeing now is going to be overly sustainable. Now, look, I'm happy it's generating results and I'm, you know, really enjoying the run they've gone on since that second bye. But... I, I don't feel like I'm being overly negative to say that we still need to see so much more. It's certainly not fan-friendly, and I think um, so the chatter sort of out there in social media and whatnot sort of definitely reflects that, that you know, it's not the most enjoyable brand of football. But then again, would you rather you know, go out there and be like you know, Central Coast Mariners again, belted for six every week almost, and trying to play attacking football, or do you want to play you know, control football and play to your strengths? So, look, I, I, I get it. Yeah, look, it's not, it's not the greatest brand of football to watch, but look, you know, if they're getting results and it gives a chance to play finals football... Um, look, you can't really, you know, go against it. Uh, look, I, I'm always said results first, style second. But I can't help but feel a little mm. bit more trepidation, and you know, compare that to say two years ago, where, you know, under John Aloisi, they did try and adopt that much more defensive mentality later in the season when they made that run and wound up losing, funnily enough, to Melbourne City in that first final. I do kind of wonder where where the difference maker is going to come from in these games and that's my big question there's not many in the squad is there when you look at it it's the, again it's players like Jay O'Shea who has created a lot of chances this year if you look at the stats but that's not really translating into assists unless you're counting set pieces Brad Inman's creating those I think they're the two players you're really looking at to be that difference maker in the front third in the finals game in terms of creativity and then you've obviously got I think Scott McDonald's who they're really looking at to be the goal scorer but that would be the, the trio that they would be looking at, saying that's the trio we need to fire in the big games. But at the moment, and particularly at the weekend, we didn't quite see it. Definitely. And for a side that does want to play that way, I feel like they're just going to need a lot more energy and a lot more focus than what we saw on Sunday night. As I just, it just felt like, you know, the emotion, you know, the 
playing those tough, grinding games, looks like they'd started to maybe take a little bit of a toll on some of the players in the squad. Yeah, look, that's, that's absolutely, you know, that that's that level of concentration. And, and like I said, it's not, like I said, it's not the most you know, pleasing in the eye style football. So, and that takes such, you know, discipline, such, you know, such concentration. It does after a while, it does come you know, at a cost. And, and yeah, look, it's maybe, you know, knowing that they've got uh, five, was it four or five of the last six at home? Five of the last seven. Five of the last seven at home. Maybe that might be, that might be, because obviously they've been sort of up as far as their travel goes a bit. So that might, you know, help and not sort of, you know, I guess, release, I guess, the creativity a bit more. But yeah, it's... It's dangerous thinking that though, because these home games coming up are not exactly easy oh, games. Oh, absolutely not. No. We mentioned West Sydney at the weekend. That's a massive six-point game. You've got Sydney FC at home. And it could come down to around 29, I think it is, around 30 against Adelaide, the final game. On, on Anzac Day, it could come down to that for a spot in the top six. So yeah. these home games are not exactly just absolutely put the points in the bank. It's much more difficult than that. Well, yeah, that's it. And look, the joy of the way the A-League table is falling this season is even second place is still well and truly within reach for the Raw. I like, think second might be gone now. It's about nine points. Again, I think that Mel- might be a bit out of reach Melbourne now. Melbourne City oh. winning... Uh, over Brisbane, that sort of might put pay to that. But I only say that in terms mm. of look, it might only be a one, two, three percent chance, but it's still an option. Sadly, so is about ninth or tenth place, depending on how things go. So, I think this is you know going to be another big test of Robbie Fowler in his first full season as a manager. Is he going to, or even Tony Grant as well, using his experience, are those who going to be able to steal this side for the run home? And look, to their credit, over the last couple of months they've been getting results and look there's a lot to look forward to on Friday night now we're going to call a little bit of an audible on our regular format here and instead of going uh, to a little bit of a break now we're actually going to do our regular segment for now and preview Friday night's game against the Wanderers because well there's been quite a few raw and southeast Queensland football related news stories which is going to take up all of segment four so Friday night six 30-ish. 7.30 kickoff. It's been Seven. moved back because of the Matildas game. Hmm. Thank you. I'm glad you reminded me of that. I just remembered I've got to change something at work tomorrow. Anyway, <laughs> 7.30 to accommodate the Matildas kickoff. Raw Western Sydney Wanderers. This is going to be a massive game because you've got... A, is it 6th against 7th? Yes. Okay, there it we is, go. So they've taken over the um, Western United spot, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, Actually, no, the, they've swapped that after Sunday, sorry. Yeah. I beg your pardon, Western United back sevens, but anyway. Okay, well, either way. Either way, it's somewhere Sixth spot is on the line. Let's just go with that. And all of a sudden, you've got, essentially, yeah, a game for sixth spot. And the Wanderers, who will be full of confidence after that derby win against Sydney FC, which means it, that's, you know, that's going to go one of two extremes. They're either going to come out flying, full of confidence, or they're going to essentially be hungover. So didn't the Raw play them after the first derby down there? It was an absolute snooze fest, no yeah. all draw. Yes. at the new Bank West down there so I wouldn't be surprised if something similar happens again because uh, you're right the fact they often do that Western Sydney when they have a derby they often do come out flat the following week so I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again but look uh, for the for the Raw it's a massive game at home it's a chance to get the three points and to build that buffer back up they had that nice buffer a couple of weeks ago James so to the teams that's the chasing pack now they've lost that if they can get it back again on Friday night that would be massive I risk of repeating myself from um, from the post game show on Sunday. Basically, yeah, you're right that uh, they had enough buffer, but that's now gone. And with and with you know, unexpected results, with you know, Western Sydney winning, Western United winning, Melbourne victory even winning, and they're 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 probably they're a win behind those two. All of a sudden, the pressure's now back on the Raw. They they've had a good you know, run of results. Now here come the chasing pack and. They're going to play some this this chasing pack in the next few weeks. So, look, points, point, results are going to be essential, and it starts on Friday night. And victory are back in that chase too, James. Obviously, with the um the ACL being postponed significantly because of the coronavirus going on, victory now can focus on the champ on the A League a lot more, with the knowledge that the Champions League campaign is on the back burner for a little while. So, for their point of view, they're well and truly back in the race now as well. So, it's not just Western Sydney and Western United chasing them down; it's also Melbourne victory. Yeah, absolutely, but. I, and again, this is my little concern about the Raw, is the fact that they've had such success playing this one way. Is the is book out on them now? Do teams know how to try and go after them? Now, admittedly, it did take just one ridiculously lucky strike from Brillante, and 
you know, he hit it well, not to take anything away from it, but let's be honest, off the post and back in off the keeper tells you all you need to know about that. But the fact that, yeah, Western Sydney had such a big emotional win last Friday night, that to me has me really optimistic about the way the Raw are going to approach this game. And I feel like if they act, like if they come out and have their best first half of the season, they are every chance of winning this game because I do think that the Wanderers are probably going to come out and be a little bit, I suppose... I don't want to say full of themselves, but flat. But also as well that, you know, it's, it's also very wide known that the Raw's first halves are not are not great. You know, they, they score, they've only led, I think, they've only scored maybe once or twice this season in four goals. Four goals? Um, before half time and like a number a number of games they've just like I said it's been a very very flat performance and they're always seem to be playing catch up even if it's nil all you still think the impetus is with the opposition so if I think Western Sydney might come out they might come out firing using the emotion from you know their derby win to at least try and you know, and really go after the Raw early and that's, that's going to be a challenge for them to, to hold them back if the Raw can successfully navigate that yeah, and then sort of you know, really sort of you know, build a platform for the second half then I think you know, the Raw it could be looking good, but it's going to be the first first 20 minutes or so. I think it's going to tell a tale on Friday night. And the big difference between the first two meetings and this meeting is that the Wanderers aren't hamstrung by Marcus Babbel's coaching any longer. JPD Marine's done a fantastic job down there with them, and he's been mm. what he's done with that has actually that group has led them on this second half of the season charge. So that's a, a different dynamic for the Raw. So they're a very different side, and Mitch Duke is in terrific form and leading that side exceptionally well. So they're a much bigger threat than we saw at the turn of the year when the Raw went down there and picked up a very good win, so it's a much different game. Yeah, so long story short, plenty to look forward to uh, Friday night, so, you know, get to Caxton Street, watch the Matildas with their Olympics qualifier, I almost said World Cup qualifier, they're just out of habit. Uh, yeah, go watch the Matildas, then get down to Suncorp Stadium for what should be a massive oh, game. Oh, look, and that's just thing as well, talking about the crowd as well, Friday Friday night is usually, you know, the excuses come out, oh, it's too, it's, it's, you know, it's too early after work. Look, 7.30 kickoff. This is what you've wanted. Yeah, this is what you wanted. No excuse. Get out and support the team on Friday night. It is going to be a banger of a game. Devil's Advocate is now too late, though, in terms of kids oh. having to get home for early Saturday morning sport. I'm just oh, playing. Yeah. I'm just trying to wind both of you up and play Devil's I Advocate here. Oh. I've, look, I think I've successfully got Adam on the hook here with this one, so I'll take the win on that. You could, <laughs> look, as I said, the, the downside of, I don't want to say just Raw fans, but the ones we see the most complaining from our Raw fans, just because of sheer volume of responses, but you could play the game in a Raw fan's backyard and they'd say it was still too far to travel. So that says all you need to know about the fan you know, approach here at the moment. Sure, there'll be another 10,000 there on Friday night. They need more. Like, bottom line. Just going on averages. I know. Yeah, like, but, yeah. that That's just my approach. Anyway, that's going to do it for segment one. We'll take a break. Let Scott uh, cough up another lung, and we'll be back to talk about the W League season finale for the Roar, at least. Uh, this is Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you for Podular Media. And wherever you're listening to us, whether it's podcast, Football Nation Radio, or possibly just standing outside the window. I know I've used that joke before, but I don't care. There's a few people out there, so you might be onto something. Actually, we've got a studio audience. Well, no, we're not letting them in here, that's for sure. (laughs) We've got a dog, that's about it. So, yes. Anyway, I should say it's James Scott, Adam and Trixie. Anyway, uh, segment two, W League. Now, this is also going to be a bit of a season recap because, unfortunately, a season with very, very high hopes, at least on our end for the W League side, ended on Sunday afternoon as the Raw went down 3-1 to Melbourne City at Amy Park. Uh, first half goals from Miatovic, uh was cancelled out by a 49th-minute equaliser from Holly Palmer. And then what put the game beyond doubt for Melbourne City to clinch an unbeaten... Uh, regular season for yeah annoyingly probably the best side in uh, W League over the last few years yeah I think they've now taken that mailpiece as probably the best best of uh, all time over the 10 years of the of the W League but um, yeah look it was a the Raw's fate was decided before kickoff anyway well, it was a dead it, rubber yeah well it was dead rubber and it sort of almost played like that to wake Congratulations to Yamila Rankin, who yeah. made her debut, 16 years old, as Stephanie Brantz continually told us throughout the whole call. Um, it was on her notes, all right. 
Yeah, yeah look, I, I, I'm, yeah. A, I'm never going to criticise a commentator going back to a note. Absolutely. No, no. <laughs> Have no, you I'm been there right, recently? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, yeah, and also a couple of the other youngsters as well that have featured prominently this season. So it was a fairly young Raw team. They, they look, they put up a. If you take the result aside, they put up a pretty good accounting. But at the end of the day, um, Melbourne City was too strong. Ali Watt scored a couple of goals late. Um, yeah, and uh, and Holly Palmer on her birthday scored the equaliser. Um, and yeah, so so look, there was a little bit of positives, but look at the end of the day, it was a dead rubber game. It sort of played that way. And um, Melbourne City, congratulations. Premiers, um, yeah, which mind, which mind you, the the invincible tag. I don't know where they get that from because their seat, first season they actually went. No, first. don't talk about that because then no, James is going to talk about how important that was and all the rest of it. Just, no, I, I, no, we just, just went through say, that off air. We don't need to go through. I'm it just going to say words are important. Invincible is through the season without a loss. Perfect is winning every game. And that's and now they've done both. Yes, exactly. And you thought I was going to go on and on about something else. I'm not going else. on about this again, are we? Anyway. Hi, Liverpool. It was interesting, though, that when, the, when obviously the whole thing was subsidy, Carson Pickett, who I think was carrying a little bit of a knock on her knee, was left out, which makes absolute sense. You give the young player, Jamila Rankin, who's been training all year, an opportunity. That went quite well. I did give some of the other young players to go. Winnie Heatley got another run off the yep. bench as well. But it was one of those games where it's like, there's little to play for here. Melbourne City were wanting the result because I think they did really want that that to go full season after what happened to them last year missing the finals that really hurt them so I think from their point of view they wanted the win Brisbane were probably in for most players minds already flicked over to international duty we've obviously got half a dozen players in the Matildas now I think there's a junior Matildas camp coming up as well for some of the younger girls so I think that was probably on all the players not they weren't focused on the game but that was probably in the back of their minds at that point because the 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 season was over and it, look, it was it's disappointing, isn't it, the fact that we didn't get that last day drama that, that we've seen in so many different leagues around the world. We didn't quite get that, but it is what it is. Nah, but look, uh, to be honest, um, the only people that the Raw can blame themselves really yeah, to be in this absolutely. position, given given the talent, the mass talent of this side, um, the fact that they were actually even in this position, you know... Yeah. Wanderers went to Perth and won, Brisbane went there and yep. lost. That's what it came yep. down to in the end. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Well, okay, let's pivot a little bit now for our W League segment and turn this into a season review because, as you just said, you know, it, it came down to the little things like going to Perth and losing. Obviously, that early season loss to Western Sydney at Lion Stadium, it, at, the mo- it, at that point, I feel like that was when we first kind of realised, oh, this might not be the raw side that we're used to. Yeah, but it was also... There's a strange season because you looked at it on paper, you thought, this is a really, really strong side which could go all the way which we were all thinking at the start of the year, but we never really saw that side on a consistent basis. We saw it for one game in the regular season against Western and Sydney. I wouldn't even and say one put, game is that consistent. No, but we saw it for for 90 minutes. It's basically or wouldn't it, for about 90 minutes down in Sydney, and they beat the Wanderers convincingly. Before that, Elise Kellum Knight was getting herself back from injury. After that, Hayley Russell and Alira Toby had gone anyway. So we saw it for one day. We saw what it could have been. It just never quite eventuated over the course of the season. We've seen some really good signs with the younger players coming through. You think about Holly Palmer, Leah Davidson, India Page Riley. They've gone from being yeah. in and around the bench, getting 10, 15 minutes here and there, to now those three players starting the majority of the season. That's massive progression for them. Looking forward to them to have another big off-season to push forward again next year. That's the positives, but we just did not see the best of this Brisbane Raw side consistently over the course of the season, unfortunately, for a wide range of reasons. Okay, I'm going to call it the most disappointing Raw uh, season from a senior team that I've seen in, at the very least, the last five years. That's A-League and W-League. That was far and away the most disappointing season uh, in terms of actual performance compared to pre-season expectations, because obviously last A-League season where they finished ninth was the worst in terms of just out-and-out results, but... This was a side that was absolutely good enough to challenge for silverware, and they fell flat on their face. And I, I know there were several reasons, and not to single out any players, because I know that they were putting in all they could, but the fact that they never properly replaced Jenna McCormick in central defence, that's where it all starts for me. And overall, I just think like, you didn't have that extra solid player at the back next to Claire Polkinghorne, and that just completely threw off the balance of the team. Yeah, look, uh, expecting Celeste Ray, who, you know, did an admiral job at but she's better back, so- but yeah, you're right, exactly, exactly the point. She's better as a screen screen midfielder, and would imagine her and uh, Elise Callum Knight sort of running around to get a control in that midfield, how different they would have been. So, that's probably the first point, but look, I, I look at it as, yeah, you, you 
I think the the young players, I think they can hold their heads high. They've said plenty of minutes, and like so they'll only grow from that. I just feel so, yeah, the some of the senior players, Hayley Russell's side, I thought she was magnificent the whole season when she when she played um, before she got her move move to um, Everton, yeah. To Everton. Yeah, definitely. I thought Claire Bochner yeah. was fantastic yeah. at the back oh, well, to your point, was. To your point, missing a defensive partner was huge, and it's not just that Celeste did a good job at the back, it's that you know the job that Celeste would have done in the midfield that would have made such a big difference and we didn't get that this year because I think Celeste was player of the year for the Raw in their awards last year as a midfield player and it's made a huge difference in the two years previously playing for the Raw in that role so not having her there was huge I know the midfield was strong in there with Kellen Knight and Katrina Gorey and um, Tamika Yallop and Isabel Dalton had to move to a to a right back role as well as a midfield player so it was strong there but you just you know what you're missing when you don't have Celeste Bray in there and it was a it was an interesting one that we've said at the start of the year the one Achilles heel might be that their offender short James. Yeah. Um, it was probably wasn't the only issue in the end, but it was an issue. Well, technically, no, there were two defenders short because I said you had Isabel Dalton yeah. playing it right back. You also had Slips Ray playing mm. centre back. Look, I look. You're right, Claire Pockingham and Carson Pickers all had great seasons. What, what yeah. we, especially what we expect from them. But yeah, there's those two glaring holes. And look, I think as well, um, I think to Mickey Yelp, I think, I think by her stands, I think she was a bit sort of underwhelming. And she I was think, up and down. And, and I think Katrina, uh, Katrina Gorey as well, I think she she had a good season. But again, we've seen her have some great seasons. So we're probably sort of, you know, being a bit, you know, yeah. pedantic about that. But um, yeah, I think. Yeah, the, the young players, I think they can hold their heads high. I think senior players had you know, probably an inconsistent season as far as you know, getting, you know, those last you know, 1% is that, you know, is the difference between being a good team and a great team. You make a good point about the right back. So when you look forward, that's one of the three holes I think the Raw really have to, four things they need to look at. They need to look at the fit of that midfield and working out which, is the, which way they want to go with all those players. They've got plenty of great options. They've got to work out what the best of them are. But I think right back, they have to work. They've got, two, they've got right backs there. Obviously, Natalie Tatham's played a lot. Caitlin Torpy's played a lot. Is is one of them the answer? Are they not the answer? They didn't have to make that decision. James is right. They need a centre-back partner for Claire, and I think they really have need, they've needed this for a while now. They need a, an out-and-out goal scorer at the front to cover up, to score the goals to get you points when you're not playing at your absolute best because that's what they've been lacking. I know they've played Indy Page Riley through the middle a bit this year. I think maybe long-term that might be an option, but I would say probably for now better utilised in a wider area with her pace. I think Tamiki Yallop's played up front a bit. I don't think that's her best role. I think that might be something else I've really got to look at in the off-season. It's just getting an absolute goal scorer in who can get you 10-plus goals in this league and put you at the top of the table because that's what Melbourne City have got. That's what Sydney FC have got. And Melbourne Victory have got Natasha Dowie as well. So that's what you need to, to compete in this league. And the Raw at the moment just don't quite have that. So that that's something they've got to look at as well. And also, Western, uh, Western City they had it as well, yeah. had uh, Kristen Hamilton. But the one point, one point I'd be remiss on missing out is that I also thought Mackenzie Arnold was sort of great yep. at the back at the back there. And look, the situation could have been a lot worse if she hadn't, you know, made some you know, clinch saves. You know, I remember the one in, um, in Canberra. Uh, yes, that, yeah, that did pretty much it. Yeah, pretty much earned all three points. So she she had great season as well. So maybe it's a bit harsh of you know, single out players, but I think just cohesively, there's you had your experience, you had your your, your younger players who were gaining experience, yeah. but you didn't have that middle. And I think that's probably where that's the talent. And that is the positive. It is the young players. We keep going back to it. They're the players who've really shone this year. It's not just the ones I've mentioned. We've seen those players become regulars. We've also seen. Winnie Heatley breakthrough. We've seen other and players I've come through as well. Her since I saw an and we're starting to see year. these young players come through, which is fantastic to see. And that's the real positive as we th- we look ahead to the... They'll play plenty of games in their winter campaign against NPL sides as they build up to the next season. And that's the real positive. They've got some tremendous young talent to work with. And that's always that's always a massive bonus. We've seen the Raw have, have had that down the years. You've seen the, we've seen young players come through. They've gone become Matildas like Polkinghorn. And Yallop, when the, when the league first started, they were younger players breaking through. We've seen the Raw do that before. We might be seeing a second wave now, which could be fantastic, because those young players were, were some of the better players to watch this year. We can only hope. My point as well, like, you're right, you can't really single out any one player for, you know, being a massive letdown uh, throughout the whole more season. across the board. But I feel... It? But I do feel like just about every senior player would probably have at least two games that they look at and go, jeez, that was really just... That was a shocker. And the point as well is, like, about the lack of a central defensive partner is the Raw's versatility that we have become so used to... Like, 
been able to praise for the last few years when they have been so successful, that really came back to bite them yep. this year because there was nobody that came out and said, yep, I'm going to be the central defensive uh, partner for Claire Polkinghorn. I'm going to be the right back. And look, it wasn't all doom and gloom. I thought Carson Pickett was phenomenal yep. once again this year. And above all else, just, yeah, I do think that there's probably a little bit of a need for the squad to be rejuvenated. And that's where those young players will come in very, very handy. Yeah, and look also as well, I also don't think, you know, we've sort of, sort of you know, in our disappointment that doesn't also mean to say, oh, that Jake Goodchip as coach didn't have a good season. Because, look, it's for a first season. Um, look, I think he did, he did a good enough job. I think he deserves another shot. I think uh, to, to go back, we, the same went through with, um, with, with Mel Andriata, that you know, the first, her first season was fairly underwhelming results-wise. She went back, you whole whole season, whole off-season to prepare, and they go again. So, look, I think it's... He may be rebuilding for another season. I think, obviously, we keep on harping on the, the younger players. I think they've got off-season behind their belt. I think they'll come out bigger and stronger next year. So, I think disappointment in 1920, but plan to look forward to for 2021. I'm a bit different. I don't know you need to make a lot of changes to the side. I think there's a core nucleus of what you need is there. It's just a matter of... Right players in the right positions, I think, is what... And one or two additions in the right areas could push this team back over the top once again. I don't think there's a terrible amount wrong. They were right there for the majority of the season against the top teams. It just didn't quite click from this year. I, th- I think there's plenty to work with there. Yeah, you're right. I, I do think that, like, overall, a lot of the disappointments of the past season can be rectified with minimal movement. But I do think that, you know, Jake Goodchip is going to have to go out and do a little bit of recruitment, whether it's... You know, finding... he arrived late in the job too. He was, yes, he was he coaching in the NPL men's all season long, so he was a very late addition. I don't know how much of an input he had in the recruitment. Also, now he can really get his teeth into watching women's football around the world and identifying exactly what he's looking for. And I will say one thing: having spoken to him a few times, he absolutely knows the sort of player he wants. And I, yeah. I will back him the same way that I backed Mel to get this side right. Look, the thing is with Jake, we know. We know, like I said, you give him time, he will go. Yeah, he will turn you know rocks into diamonds. Yeah, he did that with this youth, with this youth side, you know, in MPL that you know they had their they had their best season ever last season there, and he started from a very low base. So, so look, you know, we know he's got the pedigree to do it. Um, it's just whether he's given the resources. But uh, yeah, like I said, we we do we do talk in, in disappointment terms. But like I said, for the raw women, I think it's be universal across the fan base. We do expect a lot. This is probably. Yeah. They've in always the, been the, the gold the modern, standard, haven't they? In the, in the modern sort of period, since you know the golden age of the Angie era, we have looked at, our, at the women's team as the as the gold standard, as you say. And I think it's why I think there's a lot of disappointment in that is because, like I said, we're not used. They're not used to finishing outside it's the finals. The third time in twelve seasons, James have missed the finals. Yeah. It's not a normal occurrence. I yeah. don't think it's going to become one either. No, absolutely. Well, look, wasn't the best season. It happens. We're on to 2020, 21. Yeah. Never mind me, I kind of screwed up my own line there. Alright, we should also very quickly mention uh, as well, Matilda's Olympic qualifiers against Vietnam. Yes, and we also should mention congratulations to Mika and Kirsty Yallop yes. for their news over the weekend. We wish them both the best over the off-season. Right. Oh, good for them. You didn't, You weren't aware? I might have been, but I'm kind of running out of steam here. <laughs> and y- you know me, mad cow. <laughs> yes, yeah, so congratulations to Yes. Mates. Good luck with yeah. that. As, uh, yeah, that'll be exciting to see. Absolutely. And I think I might have to get confirmation because I saw a couple of the Raw Corps members trying to work out if that might have been the first W League baby. It could very well be. A future all Matilda White, maybe. <laughs> Matilda. Hopefully. It's going to be a tug of war for the... Um, it could very well yeah, be. The allegiance is there. Well, if you, you know, if you want us to help with the recruiting, we probably won't do a very good job, so ask someone better. Yeah. And I've got actually one more thing as well. And congratulations once again to the Raw Corps as well. Magnificent. Oh, yeah. and, and it is so wonderful watching that game and they were making noise on um, on Sunday afternoon at Amy Park. So look, congratulations to everyone involved. You know, again, they're, they're, they are the stand as far as support in the W League. Absolutely. And uh, apologies to Chris. We did actually plan to get her on at some point this She's season. She's a very, very busy person. <laughs> we could get her on again in a couple of weeks maybe. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. We'll have to... Uh, recap the Matildas at some point soon because they have their Olympic qualifiers against Vietnam Friday night in Newcastle and then is there a return leg? There is a return leg I'm not sure on the exact dates it'll be in the middle of next week week. it will be on the internet that's the important thing well it'll be on a football pitch actually but you'll be able to find the information on the internet that's what I meant yes thank you Scott alright we're going to take a break and come back with our NPL recap after this this is Brisbane Football Review
You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, we're back in segment three of the Brisbane Football Review for, what is it, Wednesday the 4th of March? There we go. James Scott and Adam with you here for Podular Media, and uh, you might be listening to us on Football Nation Radio, and if this is the first time you're hearing us, welcome aboard, glad to have you, and please keep downloading our show. Please. <laughs> yes, we've said, we've asked nicely. Anyway, <clears throat> as I lose my voice with the frog in my throat. It's worked, I've given you my cold. You mean giving it back? back. Yeah. <laughs> you can take it back. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would really rather not. Adam yeah. brought it with him from Europe anyway. No, so. I did not. <laughs> Think. I'm not going. So? I'm not going to make a joke about. So. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Don't yeah, go there. If anyone wants to go on my Facebook page and see where I travelled, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, in this case, I'm suffering from a very different kind of coronavirus. NPL, James. NPL. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Back Se- on solid ground. Yes. There we go. Segment three. NPL recap. Um, we're going to lead off with what was a phenomenally entertaining round of uh, games and thankfully another full round of games no rain outs no delays no postponements any of that Adam what stood out to you? Yeah look uh, the one, the game that sort of stood out for me was uh, the game down at Coplex between Gold Coast United and Lions 4 all. who saw that coming? There goes mine <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that was one of that was a wild and game That uh, the, the equalising goal from Cyan Cuba goal of the year that's my tip. It's a contender. We'll have to wait and see. Somebody might be. I, don't, I don't know if he meant it, but goal of the year contender. Yeah, Gold Coast United, they went down to 10 men and mm. still managed to claw themselves back into the match. A phenomenal fight back. Yeah. A couple of goals for Shane Smiltz as well, making his first start, I think, for the Gold Coast United in second return. So, great for them. Uh, for me, I, there's a lot to choose from in this game. I was going to choose what Adam said, but I'll go for the next one down. More May 4, Brisbane Strikers mm. won. This is a real confirmation of what the turnaround we've seen at Moreton Bay. We know Royce Brownlee loves to play attacking football. And you think back to what Moreton Bay were at their best when they were winning the competition. They were a quick, fast attacking team. You think Royce Brownlee was in attack. I was going to say, ironically, yep. Charles Mendy was in that attack. They scored 50-odd goals. Between so- they had Jordan Farina was there. Joey Champness was there. It was a great attacking side. We're starting to see that again. And to see them bringing that football back is terrific. I'm not sure what it says necessarily for the strikers and where they're at in terms of the new season, but for Moreton Bay, it's a confirmation of a great start for them and long may it continue. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? There's not a whole lot you can really complain about with uh, the way that Moreton Bay went about uh, their business up there. Look, I was definitely not expecting anything to that level, but, you know, to their credit, they've been phenomenal so far. Yeah, look, they, they have, and uh, yeah, attacking football always at this at this level is always good. If you can, if you can do it well and score goals, you're going you're gonna to be successful in this league. Definitely. Okay, now to what stood out for me. I'm going to stay on Saturday night and go just down the road from where we are now, and Kapalabar Sunshine Coast Wanderers, another contender for game of the season. It was it finished Kapalabar 4, Sunshine Coast 3. It was one all in the 63rd minute when Carbone got sent off from Kapalabar, and then well, for lack of a better phrase, all hell broke loose. Uh, Sunshine Coast went up 3-1, and then Kapalabar fought back with three goals in the final ten minutes to take all three points. A phenomenal effort for David Booth and Kapalabar. Big night for Kapalabar, wasn't it? I think it was a, that was their first home game of the season in the NPL, wasn't it, for them? So I think it was a massive night down there at, down there at Kapalabar, and it was, look, it was exactly what they would have wanted. They played... It was obviously a bit of revenge for them after what happened last year, which I think, not in the finals, but in the regular season, to be just missed out against Sunshine Coast... For the Premiership, good revenge for them. I'm not sure where the Wanderers are at. This is, I think, their this is their third loss in the league, fourth included in the Foundation Shield. They've been competitive in all the games, yeah. but I think we thought they might have some points on the board by now. Yeah, that, that's yeah, the one thing, and you know, I said it on the post-game show on Sunday night that um, yeah, look, Sunshine Coast Wanderers, even though they're they're second from bottom with zero points, they're, they're not as bad as their, their results show. They've just been unlucky. A few results gone against them, like they'll be they'll be sort of. I think it's, yeah, it's not trouble, but the team below them, oh boy. Oh, okay, well, we'll get to that in a second, but yeah, we should just say, like, what I was actually, funnily enough, happy with was seeing Sunshine Coast score three goals, because seeing them in that fa- uh, Foundation uh, Cup against Lions early in the season, I did wonder if they were going to be just that side that is playing essentially a little bit like the Raw, in the, you know, we're just going to try and limit the damage and try and steal a goal or two to win the match, but... It does seem like they've got some really good firepower up top there, so I, you know, there could still be uh, wins to come for Sunshine Coast. But 
as you mentioned, the team on the bottom of the uh, table so far, Redlands, it was a rough night out on the Bayside. Gold Coast Knights, 9, Redlands, nil. Uh, yeah, 20 goals allowed in three games and zero goals scored. That is very, 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 very concerning. And, yeah, uh, it's... Uh... Yeah, it's not good at the moment. They've had, you know, haven't had some great times on and off the pitch at the moment. So it's hard yeah. to know. They, they look, yeah, unless something is a turnaround soon. Um, look, the only thing I say about, you know what, this is very, very unlike a Graham Ross side to be yeah. really, you know, I'm not going to use the word, uh, I don't want to use the word terrible, but I can't, I can't, I can't really think it's about it. It's a sluggish it's start, isn't it? Struggling. Three They're straight struggling home losses as well. That's the big thing. They've lost all these games at home. I look, two of them were... Lions and Gold Coast Knights, you expect to be way up there on the table, but three straight losses at home, it's not what you expect from Graham Ross side, you're right. Particularly, yeah. you look at that side in the front third as well, they, they should be able to score a couple of goals, but defensively, it just looks like they haven't addressed it well enough, unfortunately. Preview, at least so keep... far, it doesn't look that way. Maybe they will come good, but at the moment, they're in a, they're in a world of trouble. Yeah, definitely. All right, some of the other results uh, quickly as well. Done that, done that, done that. Uh, <laughs> Mackay, Magpies, Crusaders, United, uh, 1-1 with Brisbane City. It's a good result for them. Yeah, look, it, it gets them going. Another, like, a point. I think they can be pretty happy with that overall. Yeah, they can. Look, they need they need a point after the slow start in the game that you called against Peninsula Power, James, but they're starting to pick up some points up there in Mackay, and we always, I always thought they would be competitive. It'll be touch and go whether or not they stay in the league, but they're going to be competitive once again, and that's, that's a good sign. Definitely. Uh, Raw NPL side, 5 Easts, nil. And Jordan Courtney Perkins returned at half-time in that game, so he got 45 minutes in his first game back from injury, so good, great news for him to be back playing football again, and ho- hopefully maybe we might see him in and around the A-League side on the bench by the end of the season, but obviously if he's playing 45 minutes in the NPL, he's a fair way from that. Look, I don't know what to make about East. I think um, it was just a bad night at the office. Yeah, from what I saw, it was just one of those situations of nothing went right. And yeah, because this is a yeah. site that you know that took that, that drew with Lions the week before. Drew with Olympic. Sorry, Olympic. Sorry, it was Olympic. I'm sorry, Lions. Uh, yeah, drew, drew against Olympic, and yeah, they now you know you know you know they've can see a five against uh, the Raw side, which you know look oh, on paper it's a decent team, but um, yeah. Look, and this is also, as we say, this is a time of year where the raw side does tend to be quite strong. So they do have their own little... They do have their early season run in them, so make of it what you will. And then um, the final NPL match of the weekend was the one you two were at Sunday evening. And uh, if you want a full breakdown of that game, you can go to our Facebook page, The Raw Review, and see the post-game show that Scott and Adam did. I mean, sorry, Selma and uh, Adam did. How dare you! <laughs> oh, sorry, Patty. Um, I've been watching a lot of Simpsons. Uh, Never mind me. Alright. Um, I can should claim this is like a voice actor sort of thing, but it's... Anyway. Yeah, it, it, it is just the cold that's going around everywhere at the moment. Anyway, yes, Pen Power 1, Olympic nil. It was an arm wrestle. It was... Yeah, I, I looked like Nostradamus about 10 minutes into this game when I messaged you two and said, Jesus this has 1-0 written all over it, doesn't it? It was, and the, it, it, it played like you know, a real arm wrestle of a match. Um, both sides thought Olympic were a little unlucky. They probably um, would like to take something away from it, but it was just there's one bit of brilliance from Sam Cronin, who I think at the moment, for mine anyway, is probably the, the best player in the MPL at the moment after six rounds he'd be, he'd be my MVP and yeah, uh, yeah look he if moment brings him that was that was the difference but look Olympic at the moment they're sitting down in ninth spot but as I said in the post game show um, they've had a very tough run uh, other than that sort of that, dro- that drop points against East which is a bit of a you know Outlier. They've had a tough run, so look, once the draw sort of pans out, I think they'll be okay. But yeah, as far as their title ambitions go, they need to start winning just to keep in touch with the big, with their big three, the other three rivals, because they're all you know at the top of the table at the moment. Yeah, just like I need to keep my voice in cotton wool and bubble wrap. I think Peninsula Power need to keep Sam Cronin in bubble wrap because he's the key for them achieving anything this year. He is when he's on song. He is unplayable in the league. I don't think anybody has a genuine matchup for him that can run with him in midfield and be the sort of impact he has. Terrific player, and he was the star of the show again on Sunday night at Goodwin Park. And yep. scary is that, you know, Mark Madley, he doesn't look completely settled yet in that side. So when he's firing, yeah, look look out. Look, on and off night, Madley is probably the world's best decoy. Mm-hmm. 
So, because like that, that's the one thing I've noticed from uh, Pen Pal's game so far. He's he's drawing a lot of yeah. attention so far. He is also on Olympic. There's not a lot wrong though. I don't yeah. think they were down to ten men for a lot of this game after Matt Over Mundy's after Matt Mundy's moment of a, of a craziness to get a straight did, red. To get a straight Josh red. Like a he did, but look, they were down to ten men for an hour. I think that really did impact the strategy that Ben Carr was going for in that game. It limited how he would approach the second half. If there's 11 on 11, I'm not ruling out Olympic getting an equaliser in that game and it finishing one all, but... Because Jez Lofthouse, again, looked really dangerous going forward. But. Yeah, and look, as, as we discussed on Sunday night as well, I think the one thing that may be missing from Olympic at the moment is that creative playmaker. They're, they're missing Stephen White. Um, with, with both... With, like, last season, it wasn't a problem if White was not there because you had uh, Alex Smith and Chris Lucas, but you're missing all those three. Jez Lofthouse, as, you know, as much as we think, you know, he is a real prospect... I don't think it's his team to run at the moment. I think, you know, they need that creative influence. So that's where they're probably missing, but that's it's only fine margins at the moment. They'll, they'll be all right, Olympic. Definitely. Um, we should also mention, uh, just quickly, the wildest game in NPLW that I can remember for quite a while, as uh, Lions and Gap played out a 5-5 draw at Lions Stadium. And I noticed Simon Smell uh, picked up a bit of this game on his way home on Saturday evening, and... Anyone who was there or watching on the Football Queensland live stream was in for a phenomenal treat because like, that was just ridiculous, wasn't it? Yeah, look, um, I don't think either coach would have been too impressed as far as, you know, from the defensive sides go. But I think from, we're talking about not fan-friendly about the Brisbane Royal A-League side, this is definitely fan-friendly. If you're at Lions on, uh, on Saturday night, you're in for a treat. And there's some really good players running around in both these sides at the moment. That would have been a phenomenal game to have seen live. Some fantastic goals as well, not just five or not, no, what, ten tackles. There were some terrific strikes in there as well. It was a terrific night of entertainment there at Lions. So, I mean, it did look quite good on the live stream as well, James. You're right. I mean, it certainly was the game of the round in the MPLW this weekend. No doubt about that. Yes, definitely. And, uh, yeah, Rochdale in the FQPL got their season off to a, uh, another good start. 2-1 win over Wynnum on a short turnaround. So, that's looking pretty good as well. And, I will just say a couple of quick plugs to finish the segment off. Every game of every competition is live on the Football Queensland YouTube channel, so if you've got a specific team you want to follow and can't get to the game, make sure you check out those live streams or highlights packages because there's a lot of good football going on or there. Or do what I did on YouTube and actually subscribe to Football Queensland and you get all the highlights. That too. And depending on who's doing the co-commentary, James, some games you might want to skip over. <laughs> or at least watch it on mute. Yeah. Yes. Those anyway. co-commentators are, can be quite terrible at times. The main commentators are fantastic. The co-commentators, yeah. No arguments from me. Yeah. <laughs> Scott just gives me a death stare. No? Anyway, and the other thing we probably should um, give a quick plug to as well. I believe Monday mornings we're going to be doing an NPL Queensland recap on Football Nation Radio. 7.45 Queensland time, which I believe will be 8.45 once daylight saving ends because they're based out of Melbourne. Uh, so tune in to Breakfast on FNR as... One of the three of us will be on there every Monday. I believe I'll be doing it again this week because I kind of forgot to see if either of you wanted to. Uh, you can do it this week. Why not? All right, sounds good. So I'll be on Football Nation Radio then, <laughs> 7.45 Monday morning. Tune in and uh, also check out the podcast as well. All right. Any other last-minute local thoughts? We no, won't run I... through the table because it's... If I cup draw. Well... Oh, was that was that on? Oh, hang on! Have I jumped the gun? You've jumped the gun. Oh, that was sorry, going... sorry. I've got the I've got the run sheet on. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Oh. Audible, if... audible, audible. Yes, green seventy-two, green seventy-two. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back and talk about the FFA Cup draw and some other news stories right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. As a club, this is another important step forward. We have a great tradition of playing international clubs and we're certainly led on the field by one of the best, our head coach, Mr Robbie Fowler. This is not only a great opportunity for our players to get game time during the pre-season, but against some of the best players in the world. It's also a great opportunity for all of our fans throughout all of Queensland and out throughout all of Australia, those who are on school holidays during that period, to fly up to our great state and see some fantastic football in different regions. So on behalf again of the whole Brisbane Royal Football Club, thank you very much for the opportunity. We look forward to having some success through this Championship Cup. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's yeah. a wonderful opportunity to no, play but against I, I, I look, it is. It's a, a, 
a fantastic experience, not only for, for our players, but for me and for the club. Uh, but look, you, you've just, um, you just nailed it when you said, obviously, Crystal Palace and, and West Ham will come here. Uh, they'll want to do very well because obviously they're building up for the for the new season. So you know they, they will have strong teams, strong squads. Uh, you know, and, and fundamentally they'll want to get good results because yeah. when you get good results in pre-season, it shapes up the uh, you know the Premier League season. So uh, look, we know that we've got to be as as good as we can. Uh, and look, it's it's up to us to try and compete. Uh, our players have shown that they compete with uh, with teams in the A League. Now they've got a chance to compete with um, you know some of the top top Premier League players. All right, it's the third and. I mean, fourth and final segment of the Brisbane Football Review here. It's James Scott and Adam with you on this Wednesday night. And we're also joined by our executive producer, Trixie, who may make her thoughts known as the segment goes along. But that, uh, those voices you would have just heard there, you're probably familiar with. Robbie Fowler and uh, Raw CEO Dave Pure at Suncorp Stadium earlier today for the announcement of the... Adam, what is it exactly? It is the EVA Air Queensland Champions Cup. Also known as the Mickey Mouse Cup. Wait, they're a division of Disney? It could very well be. But look, it's great to see these teams back, isn't it, James? Because we haven't seen Premier League teams here for a while. We saw one a couple of years ago, but it's been about 10 years since we saw a decent one here. So, <laughs> so look, it's going to be good to see a couple of te- teams out here for this, this week-long tournament. There's a lot of fans of Premier League football in South East Queensland, a lot of people who will be looking forward to these games. And from the Brisbane Raw perspective, it's a good test early on in their pre-season for the new season to get some minutes under their belt against some good opposition. And... The um, all-Premier League clash at Suncorp will be a terrific, terrific evening, although it may not be the match people are looking forward to because, obviously, the timing of it's difficult with, obviously, Euro 2020 will be on, Copper America will be on, so the stars may not be here, but it'll be a great week anyway. Look, on the actual cup itself, I wonder if the Queensland government actually going to spring for a new cup where they're going to dust off the old TransLink cup. <laughs> the Roar Against Racism Cup, Adam, we're bringing it back. Well, there we oh, go. Oh, OK, very good. Yes, I think that's showing and showing you sponsors too. I think I still have the uh, Raw against racism red cards from that match against I want to say Celtic in like two thousand and nine. Celtic or Flamingo? I know that they played Flamingo. Was the Brazilian team when they came out? Was it Palmeiras? Yeah. Okay. Either way. Yes. So uh, just confirming those match dates. The first one is in Townsville uh, at the new stadium up there. Queensland County Bank Stadium. Also known as the NRL Stadium. Or the Jonathan Thurston Yeah, jo- I was going to say the house that Jonathan yeah. Thurston built. Uh, and- the best team in Queensland. Anyway, that's not really the best. That's a different <laughs> show. I think that's a Wednesday, July the 11th, James, is the first game no, of that. No, Saturday. Saturday. Yep. Is it yeah, Saturday, July 11th. Sorry, I beg your pardon. It's yes. also the day after my wife's that's birthday. Right, that's so Saturday, so then the Raw game against, Christ- against West Ham is the Wednesday at the 15th of July. bus before rounding out the week at Suncorp between the two EPL sides. On Saturday the 18th of July. Now, from memory, I think the game in Townsville kicks off at 6.30pm and the other two games kick off at 7.30pm. So it's going to be too early for some, too late for others and just on the wrong day of the week for everyone else. It'll be good though. I mean, it has been a while since, I know I made the joke earlier, but it has been a while since we've seen this sort of event here in Queensland. It was, I think it was 2015 when Liverpool yep. came out. Yeah, and then we had, I think had Villarreal the, a couple of months prior to that, but then you had to go back another three or four years before that before Everton were here. So it was it has been a while since we've been able to see these sort of sides in Brisbane, but it's it'd be good to see these sort of sides here. So it'll be an interesting way to start the season. We've seen them in seen teams playing Perth recently and Sydney and Melbourne and now Brisbane's getting back involved, so that's a good thing. Notwithstanding tourism minister Kate Jones has uh, thought that it's gonna be a sellout at uh, Suncorp Stadium on July eighteen. But it's a, it's but with that said, it's good to see that you know the Queensland government through you know tourism Queensland actually getting in behind that. But uh, obviously, there's been a bit of you know consternation uh, consternation about the venues and all that. I think it's important to um, to understand that this is not Brisbane Raw's tournament. This is, you know, so you can't say oh it's not fair that you know Raw playing Townsville, they're playing in Gold Coast, yet they're quite Brisbane Raw. Uh, at the end of the day, they're in, we're one of three invited teams, and at the end of the day, I think it's a great opportunity for those those um, centres that actually don't get to see the raw during the season actually play. And look, if that, if that means that you know, oh, you're that you're sort of you know offending quote loyal fans, well, I think I think you've still got the I all don't wrong. Think so. I think that's yeah, I think you've got it all wrong. I we think should it, probably just park mm. that. I don't think that's accurate. I think it's actually a good thing that these games are spread out to the regions. Yeah. I mean, you think about how long has it been since, say, like, Townsville's had yep. a really a real competitive football game. You've got to go back, what, 10, 11 years to the old North Queensland yeah. Fury. I think Gold Coast hasn't seen an A-League game down there for a while, and obviously 
I think the last game they had there might have been Melbourne City v Manchester City. It was the yes. day after the Liverpool game in Brisbane. So mm. it's been a while since they've had top level football as well. So I don't think it's a bad thing at all for Brisbane to be going to these regions. They do it in preseason anyway, James. Yeah, exactly. They go to these regions anyway. They might make a week of it up in Townsville, which, for the record, a week in July in Townsville is not a bad idea all to start preseason. Yeah. You could you could do a lot worse. Mm. Yeah, so I definitely. don't think it's a bad thing at yeah. all. And look, they'll play plenty of games in Brisbane through the rest of the preseason and in the A-League anyway, so it'll be fine. I'm, I'm just left to wonder, you know, if you're a loyal fan that's annoyed that you might have to travel a little bit uh, further than you used to, are you really that loyal? That's right. No, anyway, yeah, look, it's preseason. At the end of the day, if you really want to go see these games, you will make the effort. You'll find the time. My concern is actually more to do with ticket prices because I feel like that's going to... That'll be interesting, won't it? Yeah, and like, look, I, I you know, do agree. A sellout crowd might be a little bit optimistic, but if the prices are within range, I think you could very easily wind up with a crowd at or around thirty or 40,000. Do you remember what the crowd was for the Everton game? No, I was 19. Yeah, so 000. if you get 19 on the Gold Coast, that'll be a great atmosphere down there for the... For West Ham, because that's only about twenty-six thousand yeah. seat stadium. Other than the obviously the, the Liverpool game was was a sellout. I think Celtic was also Celtic close. Yeah. Thirty-five, five hundred on a beautiful uh, Saturday afternoon from memory. Yeah, no, I was there. Yeah, so was I. They were the two that were close to sellouts. I think most of the others were yeah, nine, about A League average crowds. Nineteen so. for the Everton game, I remember. But either way, like. Yeah, I th- it's a preseason tournament. Like, he does have to come with a grain of salt. Like, unless, of course, the Raw win both of their games by a significant margin. In, in which, which case, case, they're good enough to win the Premier League. Obviously. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look, it's a preseason game. Go have a bit of fun. It's football. And look, how often do you get to see West Ham and Crystal Palace in person? And yeah, I, 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 why take, not? Take it from take it from some, you know, the regards you know, of you know fans of of you know West Ham and Crystal Palace. You know some. May never have it, may never get the chance to see them. And I know it's it's not more than just the players. As as Scott said, he's right. There's a good chance that you know, the star players you're not going to see those sort of players here because of you know the Euros or, or Copper America. But still, it's not to those fans. There's still going to be not, some damn good players on still, show. Oh, absolutely. It's still it's not about just it's not just about oh seeing those stars. It's actually seeing your club. So I think yeah to, to dismiss that. I think you know. I think it means more to those fans, especially. I will say, West Ham does have a phenomenal supporters base here in oh, Brisbane yeah. as well, and I think they're going to make the atmosphere of both of the West Ham games phenomenal. Yeah, and you will see what you will see in these games is stars of the future. You'll see some young players from both from both these. All on the Raw. Oh, absolutely, the Raw. <laughs> absolutely, but you also see some guys from the Premier League team as well. I remember last time I think Raheem Sterling's transfer was going through from Liverpool to Man City, and they had a young kid on the wing. I think Jordan Ibe, and he looked. He looked far better than some of their established Premier League players, that's for sure. So I think that you're going to see plenty of young players. I just hope the one thing we don't see is Brisbane losing to these sides on a deflected goal. That absolutely killed me last time. Yeah, I understand. I was getting ready for the um, year-long gloat about how they didn't beat, how about Brisbane got something away from Liverpool, and then they had to get that lucky, late lucky goal, didn't they? Yeah, and actually also maybe as we get a So these bit... games are close, so I think yeah. that's what you can expect as well. So I don't think it's going to be a one-sided contest either. Uh, the other thing that I think we will have to uh, see is who gets a Luke Bratton Memorial Award for the weirdest haircut <laughs> to try and get noticed by a scout. Oh, he, he takes There's a few contenders <laughs> in that lineup. Oh, yeah, I know. Geez. I think hasn't hasn't Jacob Pepper gone down I a similar path thinking, once before? I, yes, he has. I was thinking Jacob Pepper might be the, the early market favourite. There you go. All right, uh, we've got to keep going on some other stories yep. as well. Um, FFA Cup draw uh, for round four in Queensland. You've got Toowong FC, Brisbane City, Narangbar, Burley Heads, Palm Beach, Southwest Queensland Thunder. That's quite a road trip. Oxley against Gold Coast United. North Brisbane against Broadbeach. Redcliffe. Actually, you know what? This whole draw is on our socials. <laughs> I was wondering how far you were going to get into that. Uh, who had six games? Uh, anyway. Yeah, so Scott. There's a couple of good games. Yeah, now, what's your standout tie, Well, Scott? there's two. More Bay United against Gold Coast Knights. This is two sides who traditionally go very far in FFA Cup qualifying. They've played before in... It's different guys with the Gold Coast side, but they played before at Walzer Park and the lights went out. So maybe... While I was on my honeymoon. So we'll have to see what happens also, there in the and rematch. Also, but and also, Sam Smith almost went through a chain link fence. So it's all brain the winning penalty. That so. he did. That's one game. The other one, I think, is Peninsula Power versus Roadstyle Rovers. Two very strong sides who have played a lot in the old Brisbane Premier League. They haven't played much in the Queensland competition because the Rovers are in the second division, pitcher in the top division. That may change coming up, but mm, that's, a traditional that's, that's a traditionally a very strong matchup. So there's, so there's a couple of really good matchups to keep an eye on, as well as any Gold Coast side playing 
keep an eye on those teams because they were phenomenally strong last year. So they might spring another couple of upsets. Looking also as well, I'll add to that as well. I think um, Grange Thistle and um, Sunshine Coast Wanderers, that will be an interesting game. It's the top of the BPL versus probably the you know the bottom at the moment of MPL. So it's always interesting where those where they line up there. And probably in one sort of you know for the locals, um, AC Carina and Eastern Suburbs. <laughs> We're That's in really local. Yeah. Actually, it's like, I think about a 10 minute walk from here. And even and Western Pride Olympic as well. Um, that that was a MPL semi-final once upon a time. But uh, yeah, well, there you go. All right, you also have uh, the standout for me is actually going to be uh, Steve McDonald down at uh, Coomera Colts, the coach there. Yes. His side is going to be taking on uh, Wombai Snakes, just purely because of the name of that club. I'm looking forward to seeing how that one goes, and um, stay tuned to the FQ social accounts, I guess, Football Brisbane as well, to find out when these games are on. Kuma Colts, of course, featuring one Enrique. That too. Alright, um, and then the final news story that we've got to get to, and I want to leave about five minutes to cover this as quickly as we can. Uh, FFA now seeking expressions of interest surrounding the second division. Now, Adam and I were talking about this while we were waiting for you to get here, Scott, and it seems like, look, at the very least, they're hitting all the right notes to this point in terms of getting that second division off the ground. Yeah, this is a logical step. James Johnson's talked about this is something he wants to push on with if it's viable, and now it's time to find out if it is viable. Expressions of interest is good. Now we'll find out who puts their hand up and see how viable it is. But as you have to imagine, the expressions of interest is going to be significant because there's plenty of MPL sides out there who are ambitious, and a lot of them will want to be involved in this. So if you think about it from, say, Queensland, is what we know best. All the teams who've been up for the last A-League expansion, they'll be involved. So that's Gold Coast United, Brisbane City, Brisbane Strikers, and Western Pride. So they'll all probably, you'd imagine, want to put their hand up again. Then you've got Lions, Gold Coast Knights, Peninsula Power Olympic. They might also want to be involved. That's eight. Yeah. That's just in Queensland alone. So there's going to be a significant that's amount of interest. That's just in this little corner. Yeah, that's going to be a significant amount of interest. And then... But cast that nationwide, so there's going to be a lot of interest. Then you'll see who is capable of actually meeting the financial requirements to compete in it. Look, and if it's, I think as the story says, if it's viable, they'll go ahead with it. If not, they might delay it and see what happens. But you have to start here. You find out who's interested, then you work from there. Yeah, definitely. I think there'll be a lot of interest. And we should uh, credit where it's due. I believe that story was from Vince Regari. So uh, that's, yeah, uh, check out his uh, Twitter feed to make sure that he's. getting the uh, clicks that he needs for that story. Uh, Adam and I were talking about this beforehand. For me, the key to this survival is getting a good broadcast deal, and it seems like Optus is well and truly leading the pack because, we should also mention quickly, Copa America on Optus Sport to go with the Euros, assuming both those tournaments go ahead. But, um, yeah, get get the competition you know out there in the national uh, spotlight as soon as you can. But I'm curious to know how they're going to split up the teams. Yeah, look, I think um, the, the key to it all as well is, I think, is it might need to be, you know, because Australia is such a you know, vast landmass, you're not going... It, it has no point having three or four teams over in Perth. As much as, look, we want to include all that, just logistically, it's going to be impossible. So you don't want overreaction saying, oh, that you know, oh, this new second division is Sydney-centric or Melbourne-centric, because the less travel means that, you know, it's more likely the less overheads there are, but you don't want it so, so inclusive, just those two markets that everyone else doesn't get a look at. I, I still think that, you now there's enough room for all those, all those sort of components. You might get four, you might get four clubs out of, out of Melbourne, you might get four clubs out of Sydney. As, as Scott said, you know, in Brisbane, you can, there's a number of clubs that are probably wealthy enough and have, yep. the, all the, have the corporate support behind if them. If it's about the finances, it's going to have to be the major markets, isn't it? Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, yeah, with Ad, maybe Ad, one from Adelaide and Perth. Yeah, and maybe, maybe, maybe Canberra, um, look, maybe even you know, Newcastle, say, you know, you know, a broad meadow or Edgeworth, something like that. So, yeah, look, I think, but I think regionally as well, I think, you know, if you have two groups, you know, a bit like how Asian Champions League is, that's how they've, they've, they've sort of, you know, Cut down the cost by not having having you know the Western Asian teams play the East Asian teams. So having that, I think, yeah, but I think it's a different ways of doing it. But at the end of the day, like I said, I think the main thing for for mine as far as the viability of this competition is, as you said, James, um, the TV deal, and I think Optus will be in the front run for that, as they should be. Uh, for me, it's a case of I think they need to have a clear idea of how it's going to work with 10 teams, how it's going to work with 12, how it's going to work with 14, but I would say absolutely no more than 14. I don't care if they get 50 bids that meet the... No, you just pick the best ones. Yeah, exactly. You have to be ruthless with it. 
It's interesting though, because remember, I think Friday night's not on the run sheet, but there was talk that James Dodds was talking about an NPL Champions League idea as well, which I think, which I think is great. that'd be an absolutely fantastic idea. We won't throw it in our group chat, we mm. won't go through it all now, but the idea of basically expanding out the NPL National Final Series into something more of a knockout cup or a group a competition resembling the European Champions League, for example, where you have a group stage, you have semi-finals and a final at the end of the season. That might make a lot of sense as well. So there seems to be a lot of thought bubble ideas out there about how do we increase and in, in, include the NPL sides and increase their footprint in terms of what they offer as a, in terms of competitiveness. Because I think that's what we need. If we're going to have promotion and relegation, which is the end game, we need these teams to be up to the level. And ideas like a second division or a Champions League, that's that's how you get them there. Absolutely. All right. We would love to keep talking about this probably for another half hour if we could, but I think Scott's cold and flu medicine is about to wear off, and we I'm are due out for of another time. shot. Exactly. All right. So that's going to be it for this edition of another br- of this. Yeah. That's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review, as I think my brain is starting to short circuit. Uh, thank you, Adam. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, you might need some of my cold and flu medicine with that sort of outro, James. Uh, <laughs> something a bit stronger, maybe. All right. Uh, if you have enjoyed this. Uh, National Second League discussion or whatever we're going to call it. I uh, send in uh, comments, questions uh, on Facebook or email or Twitter, and we might actually follow this up next week in the new segment as well because who knows what we're going to have to talk about. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Get out and enjoy the football this weekend. There's plenty to watch. Hopefully, we'll see you Friday night at Suncorp Stadium. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. Enjoy the football. <laughs>